0: Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful roundtown USA. A man named Harry suffered a major heart attack and after having quadruple bypass surgery, woke up in a Catholic hospital with nuns taking care of him. As they slowly nursed him back to health, one of the nuns overheard the amount of his bill. Becoming concerned, she asked Harry if he had health insurance. No, sister, I have no health insurance. Do you have any money in the bank? asked the nun. No, no money in the bank. The nun then asked, do you have any relatives you could ask for help? The man replied, well, I have a spinster sister. She's a nun. At this, the nun became irritated. Nuns are not spinsters. We are married to God. Oh, okay, Harry said. Send the bill to my brother-in-law. This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal risen Lord and Savior, thanking Him for His sacrifice on Calvary, and look forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that Your anointing be with us and Your Holy Spirit speak through us as we share the wonderful things of your spirit with the listeners to this podcast. We ask that you give a special blessing to those who are here with us today and be with them throughout the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, my co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is Wonderful Things. Hi, Christy. How are you today? I'm
1: doing really well. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty good today, too. We are wrapping up the summer here in beautiful round town usa Mm -hmm. it's been raining a lot
1: raining raining raining
0: i guess that's both the blessing and the cursing for the people that are making hay but we are having a good time and we had a good time this week and today we're going to talk about wonderful things and the first wonderful thing we're going to talk about is hope Mm. when you enter into the tabernacle blessing your perspective becomes god's perspective And you realize that things are not nearly as dire as people would have you believe. Right. God really does have control of everything. And he really is working tirelessly towards our blessing. Many times what we think would not be a good thing turns out to be a great thing and a wonderful thing. And God takes the curveballs that the world throws at us and he makes them into a tremendous advantage for us.
1: That's right.
0: I remember when I was kicked out of the church I was going to, I was four credits from graduating with a four-year degree in theology. And I thought that, wow, I had just wasted the last four years of my life. I thought it was really terrible of them to do it. And I pleaded with them and says, well, at least let me finish my Bible college. Nothing doing, you know. I was heretic, you're out of here. And for the next year and a half, I wondered what God was doing. But being denied my earthly degree, God took up the responsibility for teaching me what he believed. And he began to take out that which was not of him and replace it with his true perspective. And so over the course of years, he began just to piece by piece straighten out all the knots in the tangle that I had learned in Bible college. And so what I thought was a terrible thing actually became a great thing because I've been taught by God and not by man. Even Paul went into the desert of Damascus for about three years and he just communed with God after he was saved by seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus. You know, oftentimes what we think is very difficult is actually God's way to elevate us. And there is hope. What we understand now is all we need to do is give a good report. All we need to do is tell you the good things that we've experienced in Tabernacles. Mm -hmm. Everything else, being it challenging or difficult, will take care of itself. In the end, God wins. There is hope. And if you will follow His Spirit, you will be like Daniel. You'll be able to be thrown into a lion's den, and you'll sleep soundly. In the morning, the king will come and say, Daniel, do you live? And you'll say, here am I. Yeah, got 40 winks. You know? <laughs> All these cats were just lying around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and life will work out that way for you. If you will listen to God's spirit and follow and do what he says, when he says to do it with whomever he decides to do it with. And there's hope
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't care what the news people say. God is in control and there's hope and it's going to work out spectacularly for you. You don't have any imagination great enough to imagine the good that God's going to do to you, both here in this world and in the world to come. It's amazing. And I just want you to know that in Tabernacles, as you begin to meet God in other people, you'll realize God's got this.
1: That's right. That is one of the most encouraging promises in the Bible is where it says in Romans 8 that we know that God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So our responsibility is to love him, to hear his calling and respond to his calling. And then we can trust that everything is going to work out for good. Everything. That includes everything. Everything that's happening in your physical health, everything that's happening in your situation around you, your relationships, your finances, everything that's happening in your community, everything that's happening in the world. God has the power to work for your good. When you love him and you're called according to his purpose. There is no greater hope than that. You can turn on the news and hear all these horrible things that are going on in the world. And instead of being overcome by fear, like most people are today, you can have hope because you know that God said he's going to work even that. Somehow, even this pandemic, he's going to work for your good when you love him and you're called according to his purpose. And like you illustrated with your story, we don't always see it. Our natural minds are so focused on the way that we see this world and the way that we've been taught to see this world that we don't understand when something happens that's bad. And we automatically assume the outcome of this has to be bad. But the wonderful thing about God is that He doesn't see the world the way that we see the world, and he will take things that seem bad to us, and he'll turn it around and make it good. That's the whole story of the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, that people intended bad for him, the enemy intended bad for him, and things happened in his life over and over and over that seemed like they were horrible. And God always worked it out for good. And Joseph recognized that about God. He said, what you intended for my harm, when he was speaking to his brothers, but it could also apply to Satan, the enemy. What you intend for my harm, God is going to turn around for good, because that's the kind of God that he is. And when we love him and we trust him, he just delights in doing these miracles in our lives to turn things good. I had a similar experience with my Bible college experience. When I went to a fundamental Pentecostal Bible college that basically taught me Pentecostal doctrine. (laughs) And when I left there, God called me to a remote little place in a remote state to do some work in a little remote youth center. And I had to completely unlearn a lot of things that I thought were from God. I did a 180 on some things, the thing that I wrote my bachelor degree thesis on. I had a 180 and completely reversed what I believed when God really got a hold of me. And things that they teach you in Bible college, like etiquette and their understanding of end time doctrine that you fill your head with, then when you go to minister to somebody in a remote place where life is hard, and some kid comes running in the youth center and says, so-and-so's outside with a gun and he's going to shoot so-and-so, all of a sudden you're like, well, where where is this in Bible college? I have no idea how to handle this. This is not in Kids with Guns 101. They don't offer that in Bible college. So I learned that I had to really just depend on the Holy Spirit when I didn't have enough food to eat. I had to learn to just depend on the Holy Spirit. And it became a life-changing experience because I experienced God. I didn't learn about Him in my head. I experienced Him in my life. And I had to depend on Him and say, okay, God, What do I do in this situation? And wait for him to guide me. I had to depend on God and say, I don't have stuff to feed my kids for lunch. I just gave them the last of the bread for toast. Now what do I do? And then at 11 o'clock in the morning, some kid shows up at the door with a whole box of cup of noodles. And he said, my mom said to bring these over to you guys. Those kinds of experiences prove who God is and that he will do what he says he will do. And you can't gain that kind of trust in God by head knowledge. So we just have to trust that God has wonderful things in store, and He loves it when we love Him, and He loves it when we respond to His call, and when we do those things, we can be guaranteed there's always hope, and things are always going to work out good.
0: Another wonderful thing is experiential faith. I remember that I was taught about faith in Bible college. I was taught about the faith of others in the Bible. And I marveled that people could do such things, but I had no personal experience in that type of faith in my life. But once I started walking with God one-on-one, he started leading me and teaching me about faith. I remember one time I was in Tennessee driving around a little Geo Tracker, and he was leading me by his spirit. He would say, go left or go right or go straight ahead. It was a very nice day. It was in the morning. It was on a Sunday. I was driving down this country road, and there's this sign that said, bridge up. And I stopped, I looked at it, then I started to turn around. Then God specifically said to go forward. And I said, well, fine, you know, there's probably nobody there anyway. So I went around the sign, and I went forward. And sure enough, about a mile down the road, there was a construction site where they were building a bridge over a ravine. The ravine was about 50 feet deep or something. I stopped there, and just decided, well, hey, this is as far as I can go. And then very specifically, God said, go forward. And then I sat there and I said, there is no bridge over the ravine. It's only like half finished. You can see where it stops. He says, go forward. So I kind of sat there wondering what to do. And I looked around, there was nobody there. So I put it in four-wheel drive and I went up on the unfinished bridge. So now... I'm in my geo tracker sitting on a half-finished bridge, wondering what's going on. You know, what lesson is God trying to teach me, you <laughs> yeah. know? I didn't know what to do. And I sat there and I argued with God for like a half hour. I said, I cannot go forward. There is no bridge. I will kill myself if I go over the edge. And all he would say is, go forward. And so at that point, here I am ticking through the reasons why this probably is not God. Exactly. <laughs> and sweating and, but it sounds exactly like the voice of God I've been hearing for years. And I didn't know what to do. And finally, I just said, okay, I'll do what I can do. And so I got out of the tracker and I started walking towards the end of the bridge, you know, sweating and thinking I'm out of my mind. And so I'm getting nearer and near the edge. And sure enough, there is no bridge. There is no way forward. I cannot see a way forward. And I get about two feet from the edge of the bridge, and I looked down, and they had pushed up a pile of dirt, a huge pile of dirt, all the way up to the lip of the bridge. And I looked at it, and I thought, I could not see that until I wow. got right on it. And God said, go forward. So, I went and got my little four-wheel drive Geo Tracker and put it in the granny gear, and edged <laughs> towards the, you know, its about a foot drop to the dirt. And I was hoping I wouldn't get hung up on the undercarriage. I went over the side, I crawled down to the bottom, and then I crawled up the other side, and just went on my way. Wow! And I was driving, and I was saying, "Wow, that that is something." What
1: a lesson! Yeah.
0: And tabernacles is God in you. Yes. And God was speaking in me, and He simply had more information than I had, and I always remember that I can trust God. I can trust his voice, Mm -hmm. even in a situation I don't understand, because he sees everything. He has a different perspective than I do. He has a different perspective.
1: He could see that pile of dirt. He knew it was there.
0: Yeah. And a wonderful thing is, even when I come to a situation I don't understand or I can't see a way forward, if God says to do it, I know there's a way through it.
1: That's right. You said the tabernacle experience is God living in us. That is an absolutely profound and beautiful way to live. God is really growing me in that personally, where when I was filled with the Spirit and began to hear God's voice, it was like I would have to stop, and there was a clear differentiation between Christie's thinking and God's thinking, and God would have to come in, push Christie's thinking aside, give me a direction, and then I would go. The tabernacle experience, when you really press into God and his love, and you experience him personally, you experience him through another person, you become one with him. And he does that work. It's nothing that we do. But when we just yield to him and say, okay, God, whatever, whatever you want to do, I will do. And we don't have any Barriers. We don't have any limitations. We don't have any preconceived notions about what we are supposed to do, but we just give it freely to God. He becomes one with us, and He just directs us. We flow with Him. And it's been incredible for me because he's been leading me in things that go beyond my comprehension. He's been leading me in things that initially don't make sense. And I've been experiencing amazing miracles and the flow of God in your life when you walk in what he wants is just amazing peace. There was a a several month period where I was just feeling this God was calling me to something and I wasn't sure what it was. And I kind of looked places here and there and I felt he was calling me to teach music to children. And I put in applications many places. I don't have a teaching certificate. And even though I have experience and education in it, I didn't qualify for anything. So I had started to give up. And the end of July, I found a school close by that was advertising for a vocal music teacher. I interviewed. They offered me the job. I'm working with the district to work through to get my teaching license. And it's an amazing school. It's an amazing district. It's an amazing group of kids. And I absolutely love it. And it was like God was prompting me, prompting me, prompting me that there was something I needed to do. But I couldn't hear that that was it. Because my own idea of where my life was going and what God wanted me to do did not include that. So God just had to move in me. And as I set with the Holy Spirit and move this direction and this direction, I just kept moving until I settled on what I knew was God. It was absolutely miraculous that I would get the job, because people without teaching certificates don't get teaching jobs around here. There's so many people that have teaching certificates. So that was one blessing. And it's a two-hour drive, Then I have to go down there every day. So right now I'm commuting from around town, two hours one way, and it's a beautiful drive. It's through the mountains, and I absolutely love it, but it's not very practical to spend four hours a day driving. So I knew that God was leading me to try to find a place to live, live down there at least part of the time. And the wonderful thing about God just flowing in you and flowing through someone with you, especially when it's a divine mate, is that you flow together in the decisions right. for your life. And as Michael and I discussed and felt God flow, we both felt that I needed to have a place down there to stay. And we both felt that God was just going to provide it when it needed to happen. There was one day that we drove around and we were trying to find a place that I might be able to live and nothing felt right, nothing felt right. I did some searching on my own and just called some places. Turns out that for some reason, that particular city has has a huge influx of people coming in from other cities, trying to escape some of the more difficult places in the country, I think. And there was no housing anywhere. Every place I went, there was a 300 or 100 person waiting list. I wasn't able to find anything. And Michael and I just knew that God had it under control. And we didn't stress about it. We just knew something was going to come up. I didn't think about it. I put it off. I was going to wait two or three weeks to try to find a place. Whenever God moved, no big deal. One day I was driving down there to the school and I felt very strongly that after school I needed to drive in a particular area. So I did. I just felt very led by the Spirit. I just drove. I just felt where the Holy Spirit told me to go. I ended up at one apartment complex and the woman told me, you're not going to be able to find anything. We're not even adding people to our waiting list. We're 100% capacity. All the apartments are 100% capacity around here. So I said, well, thank you. I'm just trusting God. I just felt this peace. No problem. Just whenever God wants, he'll work out. And as I was walking out the door, she said, you might want to go check with this particular apartment complex. I don't know exactly where it is. I think it's over there. So she told me the name. I Googled it. I went there, walked in the door, and the woman said, we just had an apartment come available. It's this much money. If you'd like it, you can apply. I applied that day. The very next day, I was accepted. Turns out it was a very low deposit. I didn't even know where I was. I had been driving around so much, I'm not real familiar with the city yet. I didn't know where I was in relation to the school that I was working at. The next day, Michael and I went down there. I talked with Michael about it. He felt very good about it. He felt the exact same that I did. This is God. Go for it. Open up the door. And went in. Boom. It's, you know, as soon as it became available, I was there. There wasn't a waiting list for some reason. And so I stepped right into it. God allowed me to have an open door to be approved to get it. beautiful, beautiful, almost new apartment. Turns out it's less than five miles from the school. I didn't realize that's how close to the school I was. Everything about it was an absolute blessing, and it was so peaceful and so easy. That is the flow of tabernacles. When you're one with God, there's no spending countless hours searching things on the internet, going around door to door to door to try to find what God wants. You just go about your life as God leads you. And the day that God says, go here and look at this apartment, you go, and there's one available. The odds of there being an apartment available for me that day were zero. It was just God that said, okay, here's where I want you to move. I'm opening this door right now. He sent me there right at the exact time, right when the apartment opened. I was approved and it turns out it is really close to the school where I'm working. That's the joy and the wonderful thing about flowing in God. Having someone with you that God ministers to you through, that can confirm, yes, this is God, that you feel together, yes, this is the right path, and how God is going to work it out. It's an amazing thing. There's no stress. There's no strain. There's no concern. You just flow in the wonderful love and peace of God. When he tells you to move, you move, and you don't worry about it ahead of time. It's an absolutely wonderful way to live.
0: Exactly, and that's another wonderful thing in God, is that there is a certainty in the leading of his Holy Spirit. A lot of Christians' lives are spent questioning whether or not it's God's will. Right. You wonder, well, God, do you want me to do this? Or am I good enough? Or am I sinning when I want this? There's a lot of uncertainty, and you're always trying to figure out if it's God's will. But when you walk with God in you and you let God flow through you, there's an absolute certainty of what God wants you to do. And at least that part isn't a problem anymore. I know what God wants me to do. Now, it may be difficult in a natural to do it, but I'm just going to step out like you did and do it, and it will work out. And this is a real burden that a lot of Christians carry, that they're always questioning God. They don't not believe that God knows what he's talking about. They just are uncertain in themselves as if they can hear yes. and do his will. Mm-hmm. What I know in my life is that as I've learned to hear the still small voice of my Lord that that uncertainty at least goes.
1: Yes, it does.
0: You know, sometimes you look at the circumstances and you think, wow, this is weird. And you don't know if you can do it. But you're not questioning whether God wants you to do it. You're just stepping out in faith and it's a bit uncomfortable. And I think that's a real wonderful thing. Because Mm -hmm. when I was in Bible college and I was trying to follow all the rules myself, it was horrible because I couldn't hardly move sideways because I thought I'd make a mistake. And now I know when God leads me, I don't have to worry about making Mm -hmm. mistakes because even if I'm slightly off, God will redirect me as I'm moving. It's a lot easier to steer a moving ship. Going somewhere is better than just sitting at dock. At least you have the wind in your sails and you're moving and God can take the rudder and he can kind of get you back on course if you let him and this is a wonderful thing of God because you don't have to question him anymore mm-hmm. because you have that tight relationship and you really right. know his heart you feel his mind and you feel his approval when you do what he asks you to right. do and and that is a real burden that he takes off of you when you're moving in connections and in the tabernacle blessing and another wonderful thing of God is being connected to the body of Christ mm-hmm. You know, God is not in a burning bush anymore. He's not in the high places in Israel. He's living in the person next to you. And if he decides by his sovereign will to connect you to that person spiritually, supernaturally, then what you have is God manifest in the flesh. What made the burning bush something that Moses wanted to see is God in it. Yes. And right now we are the burning bush of our generation. We are where God has chosen to dwell at this time. And that is what makes us important. That is what makes the person that knows Jesus Christ next to you somebody you want to know if God directs you to do that. And that is a wonderful thing. You will never know God in his fullness until you meet him in another human being. Because that is the original intent of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were made in his image and his likeness. Why? So he could be seen. So they could represent him to his creation. And that's what we are coming into again at this time. We are coming into a manifestation of the sons of God. God in us, the hope of glory. Emmanuel, 2.0. God with us. And God is in us, in the burning bush of our generation, which is your brothers and sisters. They are the representation of God. And if you want to know where God is, if you want to know where you can find God, it is in the person or persons that he directs you to. And I tell you, that is a wonderful thing.
1: That is a wonderful thing. And it's not like the God in you leaves and you only see it through that person. It's like a magnification of the God that you know in you. So when you start to move and you feel God moving, that person confirms and God uses that person along with how his spirit is moving you to confirm, to love, to validate. You know, having a connection with a person and experience the love of God through a person is the most satisfying way to love. You feel an acceptance you feel a validation you feel the freedom to be who you really are and as you know that god is encouraging you god speaks to that person and through that person and they encourage you when you need to feel love god moves to that person and you feel loved and then you have god's love for that person in return you have an unconditional acceptance. It's not like you don't see that there are imperfections. It's just that that doesn't matter. None of that matters when you are feeling God's love for someone. There's just an acceptance. There's a desire for them to flourish, a desire for them to have happiness, a desire for them to become the fullness of what God wants them to be. Whether it includes you or not is not the concern. The concern is you want God's best for that person, and you delight when that person succeeds in God. You delight when that person has joy and peace and satisfaction in what God's calling them to do. A lot of times you'll do things together. Sometimes you won't do things together, but the satisfaction you get from watching them succeed, even if you're not involved, is just as great as the satisfaction when you succeed yourself. There's an amazing love that flows. It's the love of God that comes to you as you connect with the person that God desires you to be with. The oneness that you have when you Just move that way. It's just amazing. In tabernacles, you go beyond the, let me pray about that and I'll get back to you. (laughs) There there are some times when you do need to seek God out for things. For the most part, you just go with the flow of God that's in you. And the voice is so quiet and so subtle. That's what I noticed driving around looking for the apartment the other day. It was a very subtle feeling in my spirit when I drove by in the morning that I need to go there this afternoon. And the interesting thing is that the initial neighborhood that God led me to was not where the apartment was, it was where I spoke to that woman. And he could have led me directly to the apartment. But I think it's interesting that he led me there so he could show me the miracle that he was working. He led me to that woman so she could tell me, our waiting list is closed, we have over 100 people, every apartment complex I know has a waiting list. She said, you're not going to be able to find anything. And that was the testimony of how the reality, quote unquote, was. That was the worldly perspective that God let me hear, so that as I left and she said, go check out that one apartment, and I went there, and that's where the apartment was. I could see what a huge miracle he was working. So following the flow of the Spirit, it's easy. It wasn't a big, booming voice. It was just this peaceful flow that I felt in my spirit to follow the lead. When I Even when I pulled up in front of that apartment complex, I knew in my spirit, this is it. So getting all the external confirmation was just wonderful, but I just love the way that God flows. You know, all of the stress and strain of life is gone when you just live in that tabernacle flow. God and you are one. And you love the way he wants you to love. You do what he wants you to do. And the only restriction, the only thing that you judge against to see if it's truly God is love. If I am flowing in love. If I can feel God's love in this action, in these words, in this decision, then I know I'm with the flow of God. You feel that peace. You feel that love. That is a wonderful way to live.
0: Amen to that. I think that is a very wonderful thing. Another wonderful thing is you enter into the domain of God when you have God inside of you leading and guiding you. In the Old Testament, when Israel entered into the promised land, God gave them that ground. God gave them that area, and it was to do whatsoever he led them to do within it. And whether you planted a vineyard, or whether you built a house, or whether you built a city, it was all within the domain of where God wanted you to be, so it was blessed. It's not like you had to do one certain thing. You had choices. When you enter into what that pictures in the church age, you enter into the domain of God, and that is the area of where you're flowing as one with him to where what you your heart desires you do. It's a partnership. It's not a dictatorship. Yeah. God just doesn't force you to do this and force you to do that. He leads and guides you as a shepherd beside still waters into green pastures. And where you eat in that green pastures is not so important if you're with the shepherd.
1: Right. The entire pasture is for your taking.
0: And the reason that you're in the green pasture at the first place is because you heard his voice mm-hmm. and you followed him. And so this is how things work in tabernacles is God is in you leading and directing you, but he doesn't like dictate what you need to do. He, mm-hmm. he gently encourages you to be over here because it's green pasture. Exactly. So he gently leads you over there because it's still waters. And you find that it's not a Mm straitjacket. It's a freedom in the spirit to be who God created you to be. And all of a sudden, you're not worried about where you eat or what you do, or if you lay down or stand up, you're just in God. And there's this huge expanse of him that allows you to do so many things that you thought you couldn't ever do. And you're happy doing all of them.
1: Exactly. And God is happy with you doing all of them. He gives us choices within this domain and says, you can do this or this or this. That's what's amazing. It's like walking into an orchard, but it's not just an orchard of apple trees. There's apple trees and peach trees and orange trees and banana trees. And you get to pick. God says, this is my orchard. I've led you here. Anything here is for your taking, like the Garden of Eden. They were allowed to eat anything there except for fruit from this one particular tree, but they could choose if they wanted to eat a pomegranate or an apple or a banana. They could choose that because they were in the domain of God. That's like us. One day I may feel like eating a banana. One day I may feel like eating an apple. One day I might feel like mixing an orange and a lemon. And you're allowed to do that in the domain of God because everything within that is holy. It's like Peter says in the book of Peter, all things are permissible. And then he says, not all things are beneficial. What is not beneficial? Anything that is outside the domain of God. Anything that God has not led you to do is not beneficial. But when you step into that domain of God and you're led by his spirit and you step into the freedom that he has, that's the thing about Christianity that we don't often recognize. It's a place of freedom. It's from freedom that Christ set us free. And we step into Christianity and we have more bondage than we had in the outside world. That's not how it's supposed to be. We step into God's domain and we have freedom within what God has led us to, within love, within the things that the Spirit of God has given to us, we have freedom to choose. We don't have to stand in the grocery store and say, God, what kind of toothpaste should I buy? If he particularly prompts you to buy a certain type, you do. But if oh, you just... It's,
0: it's Pepsi. Okay. <laughs> just so you know.
1: But if you just want to buy whatever's cheapest or you just want to buy whatever one you like better and you're not feeling a constraint from the Holy Spirit, you just have freedom. That's the wonderful thing about being in God is the freedom. You sense where he is going. You step into his domain and then he just gives you, he's an abundant God. He gives you an abundance of things that you can choose from in that domain.
0: And that's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Another wonderful thing in God is love. You know, God is love. And so it makes sense that if God fully indwells you, you become a representation of love. And what does love do? Well, love loves. And it expresses love to other people in however they need. What we find in the tabernacle blessing is that love is expensive. Love is inclusive. Love loves everyone, saved or unsaved. You're kind to everybody. And it's not work anymore Mm-mm. No, it's because not. God's in it doing through you his will. And you love because he loves and you find it effortless to love anyone. And you don't judge them because Mm-mm. God is in you loving them. That was a revelation to me because I had always read through the New Testament how we're supposed to love one another. You know, John just goes on and on <laughs> yes, and on does. about loving as he's <laughs> how do I love that guy who's such a jerk to exactly, me?
1: Exactly, yeah. You
0: know, I try to pretend like I love them, but I really don't.
1: That's a lot of Christians go to is, okay, I will act like I love you yeah, because I don't.
0: know, If I can't feel it, I'll act like I do. Right. And what I found out is when I was filled with the Holy Spirit and when God connected me to the body of Christ through his love, it was effortless. It's just like somebody turned on a faucet of love and it just flowed through me mm-hmm. continuously and there was no effort, it just went. And I could love anybody. I could forgive anybody. Mm-hmm. I could have patience for anyone. It wasn't a work in myself anymore. It was just something I yielded to. Yeah. And this is a wonderful thing. This is the thing that we are lacking in the Christian church. It's the thing that binds up all of our talents and binds up all of our finances and binds up all of our ability to yield to God's spirit because we don't love. And... The thing is, God never expected us to love without Him.
1: Exactly.
0: He knew that we could only love as He desired if He dwelt in us. And so He filled us with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And now it's just a free gift you ask for and God gives you. And He blesses you with His presence dwelling in your body. And if you let that Spirit that dwells within you come up and overflow... You can live in love. And what you find out is that love is incredibly expansive. Love finds a way to do things you never thought could ever been done in your old legalistic mindset. The things that you want, the things that you desire, the things that you really need are all bound up in love. But it's not an earthly love. It's a love from above. And it's a love that flows through us to other people that God specifically connects us to in the body of Christ this is the great realignment that's coming. God is going to take people and he's going to connect them. And he's going to do it by his spirit. And the building that he builds out of the people that are everywhere in the world looks nothing like the church today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. And it doesn't require anything that the church has today to do it. What it requires is just individuals being led by the Holy Spirit to connect with other individuals who are led by the Holy Spirit. They may be in India. They may be in South America. They may be next door. You don't know. Mm -hmm. God is the one that knows the hearts and minds of all men. And he's going to make his abode, his house, out of the living stones that he selects. And he's the master builder. And he uses Christ as that chief cornerstone. And then he connects and then he connects the next one and then he puts the next one on top of those and they're all f- jointly fit together as this holy spirit leads and that is the house that god is building for himself it is a marvelous thing if you look at the book of revelation and how he describes new jerusalem it's a marvelous thing it has 12 foundations it has huge pearls for gates and precious gems everywhere It's built for a square on a massive scale. This is the house that God is building, and he's building it by his spirit. He's not building it by anybody's natural-minded understanding. In fact, natural-minded understanding makes it impossible to build that house. Mm -hmm. You have to be led of the spirit to be part of it. You cannot do anything by what you think is right to your own mind. And the wonderful thing about it is that it's effortless. When you find that other piece that you're supposed to be by, you just automatically click in and you become one. And the other person that is supposed to click into them, clicks into them. And you become this seamless dwelling place of the Holy Spirit that manifests in its entirety the nature of Christ. And that's mm-hmm. how God saves the world. We become one in Him. And as we do that, the world sees Christ through us, and that is a wonderful that thing. That is
1: a wonderful thing. It's wonderful to have the freedom to be able to do what God asks you to do. When you think about all things are permissible, that doesn't mean I can go out and kill someone. It doesn't go out and mean I can go out and abuse drugs. All things are permissible as you are in God, being led by the Holy Spirit, and the whole umbrella that covers all of what we do is love.
0: Exactly. God's
1: love. So you would not do any wrong to a neighbor. That's what scripture says. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. You don't have to have a rules of what's right and wrong. Don't do this. Do do this. Don't do that. Do this. Because when the Holy Spirit is in you, you move by love and you will automatically not do wrong to a neighbor. You will automatically know the choices you need to make and the anointing that you receive to walk in what God's called you to do is amazing. You feel that power. You feel that love. You get ideas that come to you first thing when you wake up in the morning about how to carry out a task that god's given you you don't have to spend a lot of time stressing and consternating and planning you just flow in the spirit and let him flow through you and it's a very powerful thing it's a wonderful thing to live in the peace and the excitement of the domain of god that allows you to just be who you are to let the holy spirit guide you into what he's created you for and to just feel the peace and the love and the anointing that comes upon you as you walk in that
0: Another wonderful thing is freedom from doctrine. I know this sends a chill down some people's spines, but hear me out on this. Right now, we are very, very concerned with what we believe. And everybody believes according to their denomination, according to their own outlook on life. And those belief systems separate the body of Christ. I mean, there's people who will not fellowship with other people based on their view of the rapture. I mean, it's ridiculous. And there's people who believe sprinkling is okay for baptism. There's people who believe that you have to be fully immersed to be baptized. There's people who believe that there's apostle prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. There's people who believe that you call your priest father. And they're all doctrine-based, usually centuries before doctrine-based. This is natural-minded thinking that has fractured the body of Christ until it's almost impotent. We cannot get anything done because we cannot agree on doctrine. But the wonderful thing about the tabernacle movement is that it's an experience. It's not a doctrine. It's someone you know. It's not a teaching that you learn. And so what happens is we begin to fellowship based on an experience with one person. And because it's one person, we all have a similar take on what's going on. And we don't have to fellowship on doctrine. We Mm -hmm. fellowship because we know Jesus. exactly. And the truth is, we're coming into a post-doctrinal age where doctrine really doesn't matter. I don't really ask people what they believe anymore. I just want to know, do you know Jesus? And are you hearing his voice? I mean, I've been with Christy for... A couple of years now, and we do not have doctrinal discussions.
1: We don't. <laughs> I really haven't
0: gone through what she believes. And I really don't care because why? I know she believes Jesus Christ. I know she hears the voice of God. She does his will when he wants her to do it. Hey, that's good enough for me. And I don't have to worry about post-trib, mid-trib, baptisms. We just talk about who we experience. Right. And that is more than enough. And the wonderful thing about tabernacles is that we come together in unity based on the Spirit, the unity of the Spirit. It's one Spirit. And that informs a unity of our belief. And everything becomes simplified. You ever know this that you can get Bible commentaries of 20, 30 books? I don't need a Bible commentary to know Jesus Christ exactly. personally.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: I can go directly to the source I don't have to have an intermediary scholar to tell me about God because Mm -hmm. I experience him every day. He talks to me day by day, moment by moment. Anytime I want to talk to Jesus, I can simply talk to him and listen for his voice and he talks back. It's an ever-present connection with the Almighty. And this simplifies my life a lot. And it makes room for doing his will because I'm not all concerned about what I believe. I'm just concerned about what he said to do now. And that's a really wonderful thing. It is a really
1: wonderful thing. When I was leaving the church that I left, when I came into Tabernacles, I had a very dear friend who could not understand what God was leading me into. She couldn't understand my understanding of being led by the Spirit. She couldn't understand my frustration with doctrine and legalism. And she told me in all honesty of her heart one time, I have to have doctrine because I have to know what is on the right path. I have to know whether or not what I am doing is what God wants me to do. And I understand where she's coming from because in a natural-minded thinking, when your relationship with God is based on head knowledge, you have got to have some sort of head knowledge to keep you close to God. That's your experience with God. And that was her experience with God. God says not to do this, so I won't do it and I'll be in his favor. God says, do this and I will do it and I'll be in his favor. But it's not based on what God is speaking to her directly. And that comes from a relationship with God that is a head knowledge of God. What the Holy Spirit wants to do and what we're taught even in the New Testament is to be led by the Spirit. When you have love and you're led by the Spirit, there is not a need for a law. There is not a need for doctrine. You follow the leading of the Spirit, you hear His voice, you connect to Him, and you go where His Spirit is going. Then you have unity with others that He wants you to connect with who are following the same Spirit, and you don't need to worry about, well, what do you believe about baptism? Because if it matters, God will bring it up at the moment that it matters, and you'll have a need to discuss it and make a decision. But most of the time, it really doesn't matter. What matters is the experience that I'm having with God, the experience that you're having with God, and how He's leading us together in doing something. So doctrine is something that does not need to be present when we are following the leading of the Spirit. When we're walking in the Spirit, we will automatically do the things of love and the things that God is leading us to do, and there's no need for it anymore.
0: The analogy that we're talking about is Christianity now is like the carnival in the parking lot of your local grocery store. That's what Christianity is now. But the Christianity that God wants you to live is Disneyland. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's Disney World. It's so much more than you've ever experienced, you can't even imagine it. There's stuff there that you never even thought about. The tabernacle experience is the Disneyland of the holy spirit that is the happiest place on earth is the place where dreams come alive and where there's thrills and there's good food and there's nice squishy soft toys you know (laughs) i mean that's what god has for us Mm -hmm. and we've been sold on the notion that christianity is the little mouse ride on the pop-up carnival and it's not true and we're here to tell you that. We're mm. here to tell you the good news that, wow, this is better than you've ever experienced. There is
1: so much more. And more. that's a
0: wonderful thing. It's
1: a very wonderful thing.
0: God is going to do something right directly that is going to shock the world onto its knees. Not because they have to, because they're forced to. Because they're just awestruck. They'll say, oh my God. And they'll fall and they'll worship. Love conquers all. And God's love His true love from above, expressed through his people, will make people not want to do evil. And they'll come to God because they see God in you, not because you gave them the four spiritual laws. This is the wonderful thing God is about to do. And we're telling you beforehand, because even if you don't quite understand it right now, when you see it manifest, you'll say, oh, this is that, yeah. which Michael and Christy told me about before, and I understand what God's doing. And you'll say, yes, please, more. And we will have fulfilled our mission if that's what happens in your life. That's
1: right. The thing we need to keep in mind is that the church in the state that it's in, where it is divisive, where it is exclusive, where it is divided and fighting each other because of belief, is not the true church. The reason we know that is because Jesus said they will know you are my disciples when you have love one for another. He also prayed in John 17 that God would make all of his believers one in the same way that Jesus is one with God. Think about how Jesus is one with God. God wants all of us to be one in that same way with Jesus and God in us. Until we see that manifest, we have not seen the fulfillment of the church. If you're seeing churches that are divided by denominations and people that are arguing with each other as Christians because they don't believe the same things, that is not the church that God wants. The church that God wants is one where all believers are one with Jesus in them and their relationship with each other is marked by love. That's the picture that God is going for. And if you move into Tabernacles, you're going to start experiencing that. That's a wonderful, wonderful place to be.
0: Amen. Well, that's about all the time we have this week on God's Love Club. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you coming to the end. And now, a word from our sponsor. Built for 10, the Hi, this is the righteous reverend of the First Church of the Superficial, where we are increased with goods and have need of nothing. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to inform you that our in-service service will close in five minutes. If you want to order for the bistro, it will also be closing, and so please do that now so that we'll be ready for the word of God shortly. For the chief seats, the spiritual attendants will be around to take your final order. Our in-service service service is really top here. Not like those budget churches that just give you peanuts. We have a full meal deal here if you haven't had breakfast. We want you to be full before you dine on my word. It's been a righteous moment with a righteous reverend. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to the end of this podcast. We deeply appreciate your Attentive to the things of God. We pray in the name of Jesus that your following week be blessed and that God give you a ability to hear his voice so that when you reach a juncture where you need to know a definite decision that he can speak to you personally Mm -hmm. and that it will work out great. Have a great week. We love you so much. We'll see you next week on God's Love Cup. Bye-bye. Yeah, I don't mind counseling people. It's one of the great joys of my life. But really, you know, and I've tried to tell him this, and he, he's just not getting it. He's not the brightest bulb on the Catholic tree. But the Pope just needs to connect with God personally. He needs to go directly to the source, you know. I, I don't mind giving him an advice, but, you know, I have a life too.